nothing to help our like delivery uh, more than putting like salty like snack foods right in our mouths. Big goopy, goopy stuff too. Yeah, people oh. really like them. Sounds that you know we make. Thanks for editing this, Damon. <laughs> uh, that's our cold open. <laughs> make believe I'm Damon. I'm Dan. Dan, what are we doing today? So this is a fun series of three episodes. I think this is our first weekend recording. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, no. No? No, last time we recorded on the weekend. That day was really hot. That was when AJ was Time in? before last. Yeah. Anywho. Okay. <laughs> this is our first planned weekend recording. Way to bring us all down. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so good no, yes anning there, Damon. No uh, milestones for you. <laughs> Solid no, but um, yeah, so the first episode, this one we're going to do is uh, D&D, but over the next three, I brought a themed drink for each of them. Get ready. We've never had it before, yes. but it's in front of us now in mugs. It's mead. Don't drink it yet. Did you just sip it? It's supposed, <laughs> it supposed to be a whole thing. I thought this was part of the bit. Reserve your opinion. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to do ratings on both mead and also our D&D topic. Uh, For for lay people and non-nerds, D&D stands for... Yes, Dungeons and Dragons. It is from a family of games called role-playing games, wherein not only are there rules and, like, games that you play, but you, like, inhibit a character as well, or inhabit a character, I guess. Yeah, you, um, I guess you inhibit it. You roll yeah. things and you pick limits and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's fair, but... Uh, <laughs> you can't pursue uh, all your dreams because you're a half-elf and your dexterity is only two. Oh, that's pretty good. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so half-elf's dexterity be pretty high, though? Not necessarily. Naturally. You don't have to roll for qualities? Uh, in old D&D. That's what, the only one I've yeah, played. And not in newer D&Ds. Oh, I see. So... Well, little peek behind the ratings curtain already, gang. Liz is classic. Uh, so yeah, I mean, actually, we can just do plot right now, such as it is. Well, be- do you want to do a quick sip taste of this nonsense yes. we have in front of us? Let's try mead. Yes, Dan brought mead, elderberry mead. Elderberry sweet mead. Sweet, sweet mead. <laughs> It's juice wine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate that. No, it's nice. I think I thought it was going to be more body, more body to the wine. You know Yeah, what it's I mean? not very heavy. No, I thought it was going to like sit on my tongue. I, I think that's common with like other varieties of it. Yeah? Yeah. Like, like drier? I think it's like, it's like beer where there's like a big spectrum of like the consistency and finish you can get on it. I do not want to try a mead IPA. <laughs> I was thinking more like a porter. Or a <laughs> a mead porter. Mead porter sounds like a like a cold Norse winter night <laughs> dessert. Sidebar: I heard somebody talk about summer porters the other day, and I was like, "No, that sounds sweaty. That sounds so 
filling. That sounds like milk on a hot day. I think <laughs> Megan would do that. She really loves dark beers. She do. Like, really does. It's nice as a dessert, and I guess if you could get it cold. She's like a, yeah, she's like a one per day. Although they're often, a, I think, a little better. Not, like, room temperature, but not cold. cold. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like this more than I would like sweet wine because it's got a lot of honey flavor, and I like the flavor of honey. If I'm going to have it be really sweet, I'd rather it be really sweet and taste like honey than really sweet and taste like... Fruit sugar? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think. Uh, I could drink a lot of this, I think. What's the brand? Does it have a brand? You can't see it past I, the fancy green netting. It definitely has a brand. It is Wildwood Cellars. And wild spelled with a Y. Yeah. W-Y-L-D-E wood cellars. Oh, yeah. And there's some fake old English on the side of the bottle. There is some fake old English. Uh, written in a <laughs> aerial just regular old Ariel. Yes, correct. <laughs> in a very modern font. Or like Georgia or whatever. Thou ear. Uh, the government warning is not written in <laughs> old tiny font. <laughs> it hear is still ye, telling me ye. that pregnant women should not drink, and it is also an Ariel. <laughs> so well, here we are. points for trying. Yes. <laughs> it's got a picture of a little guy on a horse on it, a knight. I think maybe a squire. Hard to tell. You can't tell rank from here. No, he's a full knight. Yeah. One full knight. Any idiot can buy armor. Doesn't mean he's a knight. Does he own any land? <laughs> Sounds suspiciously like a man who owns land and not armor. <laughs> I wish I owned land. <laughs> we own uh, access to land. Oh, I have. Oh, you own a little bit of land. You weren't you a, a, a king for a half a minute? No, I don't own that land though. Oh, I, I own owned, land. You own land. I own land in Maine. One square foot of land in Maine is mine. An island off the coast of Maine that Cards Against Humanity bought and gave me a piece of. I actually own property, but it's like floating thirty Above feet in the, the air. <laughs> so I don't really know wh- how much land I own, yeah, if any. In the event of like, so who could take the land, like? If you go out front and start digging a hole, does anybody yell at you? Yeah. Probably yes, the government. Probably. <laughs> you're not supposed to dig holes in Chicago unless you've gotten a permit because you're going to hit electrical lines. Well, you got to call Judy, but like, she's not going to yell at you. got to call Judy? Yeah, yeah I mean, before I, you dig. I think somebody in my HOA would yell at me, but I don't think they own it either. I think just none of us want a hole in the middle of our just collectively. communally owned land. Collectively, you've decided no holes. <laughs> yes. We are anti-hole as a HOA, I <laughs> think. Seems sexist. Um, so D&D, let's talk the plot. Yeah. Is there, I mean, so it feels like plot is variable, uh, but the standard like world that it, it inhabits is the same? Not really. Oh. So there is like a, probably the standard world most people think of. Most people would probably think of, and most campaigns are probably run in like a, like a Tolkien sort of world Fake with your medieval. elves and your dwarves and like your middle ages and... You know, there's orcs and that sort of stuff. That is the typical world, I would say, for D&D. Um, but the way it works is, right, there's someone called the Dungeon Master who makes up this world and, like, you play in it, and you can do whatever you want. So I know D&D campaigns that people have played in space and that people play in modern day and that people play in kind of whatever. There's other role-playing games that maybe are more built around other scenery, but you can play it. Wherever you want. I mean, well, yeah. And it doesn't rely on like a board or figurines or anything, right? Like, mostly no. Depends okay. on the type of D and D. So I've actually played a lot of four. There's the fourth edition, oh. which is actually very like 
space relations heavy. So you actually do generally get like a little, almost like that grid paper, but with much bigger grids and you like move little pieces around oh. just to like yeah. get idea of where everybody is relative to each other. Okay. But other forms, some of the newer D&Ds and some of the older D&Ds don't do that at all. It's basically everyone's discretion. So Just like storytelling more? Yeah. Okay. So you would say, hey, my character runs up. Like I would say you enter a very long hallway and there's an evil dragon at the end and you would say, my character runs up and swings a sword at him and I'd say, no, it's like really long. No, it's like a like hundred really feet. Long. And then you go, okay, well then maybe I do this instead, right? I would kind of decide at my discretion. You'd say, I cast a spell and I say, okay, how far does it say it can go? And you say 60 feet and I go, yeah, it's probably within 60 feet. I'm good with that or whatever, right? Okay. So it is, it's, I mean... Some people get more rules focused than others, um, but I am not one to be a super strictler stickler on like those sort of small differences. Okay, that's why I've only had one sip of mead so far. It's only going <laughs> to get worse here, folks. <laughs> get ready! This is going to be a long day. Explosives. <laughs> uh, so ratings, I guess. Sure. Uh, we'll come back to Dan. <laughs> Damon. Uh, have you ever played? Me? Yes, I've played. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like my first question. I've never done a full can campaign, like many weeks returning mm -hmm. to. I've done other role-playing games, uh, like full campaigns of, but D&D &D specifically, I've only done, I hang out with people, I grab somebody's like spare character and sit down and sure. play through, you know, a night or two when I'm in town. Um, so I think that allows me three, probably. Okay. Three or four. Oh, I feel like it's way higher than that. Really? I mean, so many people have never played. The fact that you've played at all, I feel like, That's puts you point. way okay. up there. I mean, again, it depends on whether you're talking about people who know D&D. This is the same thing I always have. Like, yeah. Is it of people who know it or of just the whole world? But if it's just the whole world. The whole world at large? The whole world? Um, the whole I world? would put myself probably at, I'll butt myself up to like a six then. Okay. Yeah, um, I think having played, you yeah. kind of have to be a five, I feel like at least. Fair. It's like an on-off switch of you at least know. Okay. But then it gets like exponential after that. I have also seen the movie, so. Oh, I've seen the movie. I loved that movie. <laughs> the Tom Hanks one? No. no what? The, Tom Hanks one? Not, there, the, not that one. There is a movie from the 80s where Tom Hanks like plays D&D &D and then Get inhabits his character and kind of goes a little crazy, and everyone took it as like a documentary. So like D &D, that's like a satanic panic yeah. thing, though. D and D like lost a bunch of popularity in the eighties because all of the actually well it lost and gained like because every all the parents were cracking down on it for it's like Satanism that would drive kids insane. All the kids are like, that's awesome, let's yeah. play it. That's metal as hell. Um, Pierce my ears and call me David. <laughs> <laughs> And then it turned out it was just a game. It's and everyone game. was overblown in both ways. And now it's like a nerdy thing to do with your time. It's yeah. becoming more mainstream. Yeah. I, I feel mean, like it's gaming still in general is, I mean, and maybe this is just because we're in that world, but it feels less like a, it's definitely not a, something that will ostracize you from groups of other people. It's just like more about, well, how do you spend your time? Uh, than it used to be. Like, when I was in school, I feel like you were either, like, a cool kid or a kid who played D&D. <laughs> I also wonder, though, if that's us just getting older. Because I also give so many fewer shits about oh, what people yeah. think of me. When they're like, that's a weird way to use your time. I'm like, cool, it's not your time, you so leave me alone. You don't have to do it. Yeah. yeah. If, you want, if you like it, come do it with me. If you don't, fuck right off. Here we are. That's a really 
a good way to think about it. Like, I think I've gotten fewer opinions about things in a good way. Like, growing up, being an adult, like, oh, I don't care. Not for me, but for you, sure. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the Dungeons and Dragons branded film mm-hmm. um, the one that with has the guy who looks Marlon like Wayans and um, a white guy and uh, Jeremy Irons. Yeah, Jeremy Ooh, Irons like is the Jeremy bad guy. Yeah. You will it. not like this film. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, it's hot trash. <laughs> okay, good to uh, good to know. But I adored it. All right, fair enough. Uh, there's many movies that are bad that I enjoy. Absolutely, so. I was yeah. real big on the Mario Brothers movie too. There you go. All right, <laughs> so you and me, Liz. You go ahead. I think okay. this is a good sandwich. I'll put myself at like an eight. Um, I have played, and I actually am the DM for my group, which kind of means you know the rules pretty well generally, and I have run a full campaign for that group. So, I mean, I'm high up there, but I've only played a couple of versions. Uh, I've played some other role-playing games as well, but like not a ton. So, again, kind of like we talked about in Harry Potter and a few other things, like the difference between... Like, eight and nine, I feel like it's way further than the difference between two and four. Yeah, those last few steps are very are tall. very tall, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm high up there. I know it very well, but somebody is going to come at me, after me and be like, I played the first. I played AD&D, and I'm going to be like, great. Cool. I didn't. It's sort of a Fibonacci spiral, and yep. you're going to do the best you can. <laughs> yeah. But I know it very well. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I loved the movie (laughs) oh the one with jeremy irons (laughs) yes that one oh yeah not the one with tom hanks which is that the man with one red shoe no that's where he's like a spy no i'm gonna look up it's not joe versus the volcano it's not splash i mean yes that we've named all the tom Hanks. those are all the tom hanks movies mazes and monsters oh i've never watched that 1982 absolutely rent 4.2 out of 10 on imdb sweet that's my sweet spot for films yeah no i would watch this with you (laughs) absolutely oh we should do a crossover episode with my friend uh where we do a so you don't have to about this film oh i'd be into that that'd be really funny um I have, so I've seen the movie and I'm familiar with the game and have played it a couple of times when I was in high school, some friends of mine and I got together and did like old school, like you roll for everything D&D. Probably three or before. Yeah, I think so. Um, we or make 3. characters. 5. There was a point five. See, this is like, that's the, I don't know the operating system, but I do know. <laughs> <laughs> three was badly designed, so they basically patched it with 3.5. With 3.5? That's also when a game called Pathfinder came out to try oh. to fix three, and now there's like a big war in the community of like... Which is better? Pathfinder, three point, it's a whole thing. People like Pathfinder a lot. They do. It's a good game. Okay. From what I understand. I actually haven't played that one. Is that the... What's the... Okay, super sidetrack, I guess. I'm just in a mood. I'm drinking mead. Um, what's the game that just came out that everybody's crazy about that costs like $300, but it's in a Gloomhaven. huge honking... Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven? Yeah. Is that a sort of role-playing game? It is a role-playing game. It is a board game gussied up to look like a role-playing game. Put on your finest, um, sweetie. They're here for a role-playing game. But, like, <laughs> to... <laughs> I say that like very kindly because I think it does it very well, and sure. I think that's just a thing that board games are aiming to do now: is to give players the creativity and the to open like more roam world around in a to world. like create the well, experience that they're playing. This just kind of bottles it up a little tidier to allow you to do it in a little bit more of an expedited manner. Sure. I think. I mean, there are a lot of board games that are starting to so like starting to get into several role playing concepts, like any of the legacy games, Pandemic yeah. Legacy, right? That's a D&D campaign. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They limited like your choices a little bit. You can't be like, oh, I want to blow up this hospital. But but we did name um, the Colonel Mustard. So. That's true. <laughs> but you like create a character and like the decisions you make affect what happens in the future and the game adapts to that. I mean, it's just not a human being controlling that and therefore their options have to be something less than limitless. And I'm really glad that we didn't have anybody in the campaign who had to get murdered when the whole like yeah. conspiracy, no spoilers, came out. Um, but then there's also a, like a Sherlock Holmes game that is like basically a mystery game, like but that. it's very similar where you like role play a character. It's not a legacy game like that, but it's not like you're moving pieces around a board. It's actually like you decide what you want to investigate and then you read. It's almost a choose your own adventure book. That sounds amazing. Yeah, as a game. It's cool from what I understand. I What's haven't actually called? played it yet. It's, I think it's just Sherlock Holmes, but okay. we'll talk to my buddy Pat. He yeah. can, he can fill us in. He was telling me about it. Cool. I played crap out of that. Um, he'll be a guest on here soon. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be my I think my Game of Thrones source of knowledge. So I'll sure. run the premise yeah. by him first, say. so he doesn't totally poke a hole in it like our first <laughs> just, guest did. Just check it out. Make sure that the theory's sound. Yeah, but anyway, so like a lot uh, of games are starting to borrow from role playing concepts. Yeah, and I'm very familiar with like role playing video games, um, and I am an actor, so you know I get role playing. Yeah, I get, I get it pretty good. Um. <laughs> but all things considered, I would I would probably give myself just a five because I've played it one time, but I know not a ton about it, all things considered, except for like the general world in which it resides and the like things you kinda can do. Gotcha. Got a friend who's a real big LARPer now. Unlike she lives in San Francisco area and LARPs like I think to make money sometimes. So I don't we know how. Literally, just talked about not shaming anyone for their hobbies, so I'm not going to. I just want to put a very you clear. Say some things about LARPing. Nope. I just want to put a very clear distinction in here that these are very different things. LARPing. For those who are unaware, so live action role play where you kind of like you know you're in the park and you're actually sword fighting versus you sit around a table and you play a character but you roll dice and there's rules. Not judging any one of them. <laughs> I just want it clear that they are very different activities. I'm not saying which one's better, but if you call me a LARPer, I swear to God. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said they're very different activities, and if you call me a LARPer, I swear to God. <laughs> I, I feel like LARPing involves a lot higher of a like monetary input. Like yeah, real people money. Although I feel like those D&D books are very expensive. Uh, they can be. That's actually the reason I started playing for first and then I've played some other ones since is because it was the at the older system so I could get them very cheap and yeah. also people said it was good for beginners and I don't actually know that I agree with that but that's all other thing interesting hmm. so what about this are we going to talk about Daniel yes so we're going to talk about the fact that if D&D characters were charitable it would cause hyperinflation <laughs> wait Okay, go on. <laughs> so we're going to unpack a lot of things. The first thing we're going to talk about is hyperinflation. Sure. Okay. Which I think this whole episode is going to make Damon like get the hives, because if I recall, inflation is not one of his favorite topics. And Damon likes to plan for inflation in our financial plan very As you should. strenuously. Yes. As very you generously. Very, very generously. Uh, which makes me believe that one day in the future, our money will be worth nothing, and we should really invest in gold that we bury in the park. You know. Can't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's actually just to, as a reminder, we've talked about inflation in a couple of episodes, but just as a reminder, inflation is the idea that things cost more as time goes on, right? You used to have five and dime stores. Now we have dollar five stores. Five below, which is a dollar store for $5 and under. Right. So, I mean, literally, <laughs> things cost more as time goes on. Mm-hmm. That's what inflation is. 
So then what is hyperinflation? Sounds bad. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's crazy rampant inflation. We're talking about where inflation exceeds 50% in a single month. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't realize it was that. Ooh, that's bad. Yes. This is, is this like, uh, is it Uganda that has like $20 billion bills? No, it's... um. Uh, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Certain in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Yes, that sounds right. We should but maybe yes. check that source. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I can look it up real quick here. But yes, this is where governments have like twenty trillion dollar bills. Um, so there's a very famous picture that you guys may have seen. So this happened to Germany after World War One. Yeah. So mm-hmm. have you seen that like picture of someone taking a wheelbarrow of money to buy like bread? Bread. Yeah. That was hyperinflation. Like that one. Oh, did you yeah. just find a picture of it? <laughs> it's not the same picture I was thinking of, but it is someone taking a wheelbarrow of money somewhere, correct? Oh, my God. So, yeah, Zimbabwe has uh, an issue, had, maybe still has an issue with that. I don't know. I saw a picture recently of someone holding up a $20 billion note that they had brought back from Zimbabwe. Yep. The lar- uh, So the largest denomination bank note ever officially issued for circulation was in 1946 by Hungarian National Bank for a hundred quintillion oh. pango. Oh no. So that's a hundred million 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 or ten to the twentieth. What did it get you? Uh I have no idea. Okay. I mean I'd have to go <laughs> learn more about their economy, but <laughs> could you please go learn more about the Hungarian economy and the... It was printed as hundred million though, so that actually the Zimbabwean hundred million billion trillion Hundred whatever comes after trillion, quad quadrillion. Qu- I quadrillion, yeah. yeah, is the lo- is the one with the most number of zeros ever on a bill. Shoot. So, that's hyperinflation. As you would imagine, generally, not your friend. No, seems like it might cause a large panic. Uh, and it has caused <laughs> a large panic. Ah, a lot of mead there. Uh, mead. mead all around. Mead break. <laughs> Um, so what generally causes it is when the money supply in an economy goes up, but the amount of demand and the amount of things produced does not, right? So if we have a hundred dollars in our economy and a piece of bread is worth a dollar and suddenly we have a thousand dollars, but we don't have more bread, everybody becomes willing or has to pay more dollars for the same thing. Oh, shit. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's kind of what happens, and it goes up. And basically, it's generally caused by the government. Like they issue too much money? Right, because the government can kind of fund itself in three ways. Okay. One is taxes, right? You put taxes and you get money. Two is borrowing. From other countries? From other countries. Okay. Or from its citizens, but generally from other countries. That's the major source. Oh, like bonds are borrowing from your citizens? Right. Uh, and you sell, so the U.S. government sells bonds to both other countries and its own citizens and citizens from other countries. So, I mean, it sells it all over the place. Gotcha. But, uh, and the amount, amount we need, oftentimes they're held by major, either other governments or other places. Or you can print money, right? You can just put more money into the economy. I'll just make some more. Okay. Again, that's actually not a terrible plan, but you basically want to use all three of these systems. Sure. What causes hyperinflation is when you can't. So think about Germany after World War I. You can't put more taxes on because 
a lot of your working population is either dead or doesn't have jobs or, you know... Rebuilding. There's, your yeah. government yeah. doesn't have the ability to actually collect those taxes. You either can't or won't borrow, either because you have bad feelings about the countries that are lending you money or no one's sure if your government's stable enough that they're going to get paid back, so they are unwilling to lend you money. Right, or hard feelings post-war. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. either you either don't want to borrow from them, or they don't want to lend to you, or you just can't borrow. Yeah. So what do you do? You print more money. You print more money. And when you print a lot of money, you have much more money in your system, but you're not producing more, and therefore, we get hyperinflation. Is there any way to avoid that? In those particular situations, not really. Dang. It's less common nowadays because the world's more connected, so it's easier to borrow than it may have been in the past. Sure. Right. So if you think about the more recent places that have had it, like Zimbabwe, they tend to be underbanked or underfinanced as areas, right? Like it, it mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of oh, England's having hyperinflation right now, right? right? Because the system's a little bit more stable than maybe it was. Now I say that and we'll probably, you know, <laughs> Eat, be eating the rich in in a few years, but for right now it Feels seems like it's stable. That way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Um, so what it causes, though, is that people tend to hoard goods, especially perishables. Right? If you got paid a thousand dollars and it bought a thousand potatoes today, and then tomorrow it bought five hundred potatoes, and the day after it bought two hundred and fifty potatoes, and the day after that it bought a hundred potatoes, you would go out today buy a shit ton of potatoes. Buy a shit ton of potatoes. And keep goods, physical goods, which exacerbates the problem. Because instead of putting money into savings, which reduces the amount of money in the system, you immediately go put your money to work in the system because you don't think your money's going to be any good in the future. So it's almost like when we talked about those runs on the bank, Mm -hmm. right? Where one person running on the bank causes more people to run on the bank, which causes problems with the bank, which causes people to run on the bank. It's kind of that same idea of like, you get really high inflation, so people don't want to hold their money, so they use it immediately, which causes additional inflation, and it becomes a very hard kind of, like, cycle to get out of. Dang. Oh, dang. Yeah. How do people, how do governments rebuild from that? Yeah. Uh, a couple of things can happen, but generally, either production catches up, right? Sure. So in, like, Germany's case, this is sad, but they upped their production significantly. Now it was mostly of military components that then got used say, like a and decade then they later. Did World War Two. Yeah, I mean, it, but I mean, you do eventually. If it's something like devastated after a war, right? Eventually, there's a recovery. Things yeah. things come around, or you start to borrow again. Where you know, hey, okay, they're getting. We either need to give them emergency money; they need to borrow, so we'll we'll do that to stabilize the system, or. Okay, they're handling things the best they can. Seems like this is the long-term government. Let's start, you know, putting more money into their system. Or, you know, they kick the can down the road in a way where they say, we need to borrow money, so we're going to give crazy high interest rates that maybe we can't pay back, but we'll deal with that when we come to it. And that's been somewhat kind of the issues with Greece. I mean, not hyperinflation directly related, but just like that they They keep being like, we'll borrow more money at crazy high rates because the people only lend to us at crazy high rates, but we need the money and we'll figure it out down the line, so. Ugh. Poor Grace. Yeah. The people there, that seems rough. Um, okay, so how does charitable giving, how is that a bad thing? Yes. Tell me, because that seems like a thing that maybe would solve some problems. Yes, so 
mostly hyperinflation only happens with what's called fiat currency. Well, which you is send cars across the seas. Very tiny cars. Little yes. cars. Yeah. That's so how you can have more of them. Right. And then capita. you have too many cars in the same system. And, and so then traffic jams and you gotta send them away. Everything costs yeah. more per fiat. I think we stumbled into a pretty good metaphor, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, fiat currency basically means like backed by the faith of a government and oh. not actually backed by anything else. Oh, okay. So like when we went off the gold standard as a country, we stopped backing all our dollars with gold, we now have a fiat currency. Okay. And most countries do. It's easier to have hyperinflation there because you don't have to accumulate as much gold to print more currency. You can just print it unlimited, so it's easier to cause. Yeah. But it actually can happen in like a D&D world where they use gold and silver. I was wondering cuz it seems like you shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem cuz there's a limited amount of gold in the world, but in a D&D world, so that's maybe e- not. Well, that's exactly the problem is there is a limited amount of gold. So Rome one of the problems with the fall of Rome was actually hyperinflation. They had a standard silver coin that they kept diluting the amount of silver in. Oh. It was like 95% mm. silver and then like 90 and then like 80 and then like 80, 70. So actually, you know, Nero, the crazy guy, <laughs> this is a thing he did. Um, he kept decreasing the amount of silver in a silver coin. And so then everything started costing, instead of a silver coin, two or three, or five, or ten. He put more coins into the system, but as a lower value. And so that actually, Rome couldn't pay a lot of its expenses, its soldiers, its what have you. And it kind of was one of the leading causes, not leading, but one of the contributors to the downfall of Rome. Dang. Hmm. Dang. Okay, go on. Shit has consequences. Shit has consequences. Shit has consequences. (laughs) That should be our hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag shit has consequences. (laughs) So talk about yourself while I drink some mead. Mead I'll... break. Mead break. Mead break. Yeah, I think I could drink a lot of it. It's good for this say, hot day. Yeah. yeah. It's weird because I always feel like mead is a cold weather beverage. <clears throat> well, mm-hmm. I think that like, it's weird because this is a red one too, but I think if you get like the white kind, it is even a lot. Some of them can be even more summery. Like yeah. Shandy, Although we were like, talking, almost. I'm glad that this is the one. Elderberry is yeah. a good choice for today. But I did think that because the I was reading the white one and basically all the description was the same way I would describe a white sangria and I was like that's probably pretty agreeable on a hot day yeah, yeah. Um, but good choice I like this one and I don't even mind the weird aerial label <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's so the weirdest part about it is these weird horses up here to me like they have very the running horses yeah but they look like you know, Ferrari or um, Harley Davidson. They're like very <laughs> stylized, modern design horses above a rest of the label that's clearly like a Tuscan castle or something. I would yeah. like to have some words with their graphic designer. Yeah, it's just a weird juxtaposition. You know what I bet happened? I bet that they're the kind of wine company that was like, well, Bill's really good at Photoshop. And like, <laughs> they just had one of their wine well, guys do it. Bill's really into the affliction font. So yes. it's like... <laughs> Okay. Some font shade over here. <laughs> hey. So now we know about hyperinflation. Yes. On one side. Now you need to know a little bit about D&D. Okay, cool. Okay. One of the major issues with D&D is money. Uh-huh. Because you reward, as a DM, dungeon master, you reward your players for like beating opponents with money. Because they're doing this like quest for someone, in theory? Like they're like heroes for hire? Right. So in, in theory... 
I mean, that's just part of the rules of the game, actually. So oh. some, it depends on the group, right? Some groups are actually like, we're mercenaries, we're out for money. Some groups are like, hey, we're Mario, we're here to save the princess, we don't care about the money. But in the rules of the game, you're supposed to give them money. So it works like a video game where like the bad guy disappears and leaves a whole bunch of money behind. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and better DMs, which I got better at as I went on, but I'm still not great at, like, will be like, oh, you find, like, it, here's a bunch of it at once when it makes sense for you to have it, as opposed to, like, every dead body has eight coins on it. But, you know, it... <laughs> The point is you're supposed to give them a certain amount of money. Okay. That's in the game. And as you get higher levels, it's a lot of money. Well, Like, relative to the cost of a horse or a room and board or whatever their characters might be using it for, right? Sure. Okay. Um, but then you don't have anything really to let them buy. Right. Because you're supposed to keep them at a certain level of strength to, like, fight the baddies that you put in front of them. So if you let them buy a bunch of cool magical items, they're going to be too strong, and those would be very expensive, so they can't, you kind of restrict them from buying that. Right, otherwise you have to make them do, like, uh, the end of a Japanese RPG video game and beat, like, God himself. Right, yeah, <laughs> otherwise immediately everything they own is magic, and they're like, oh, well, I'll just fly and then use the golden gun and kill the thing in one shot, and you're like, cool, I'm glad I put thought and effort into great, this. Great, great, great. Do you want to hear the monster's backstory or no? His <laughs> yeah. name is Howard, and he had a wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a monster. Who's the monster now? Who's the monster now? That was the real point of this game. I'm going home. <laughs> Your next character will be to defeat the tyrannical overlords that you have created <laughs> overthrow and, your own government and i will use these items against you <laughs> but you also really can't give them any sort of like money sink right like you can but if that's the only reason to have so if you're like hey you can buy a castle cool great that's kind of fun i guess but but why yeah exactly what's yeah. the point right now venturing some really good dms and i got some i never got a chance to implement this but if i do another long campaign i will actually did some cool stuff about, okay, you can either have, like, a castle or a boat, so you can move faster from here to there, but if you get attacked, you have more chance of surviving in here. Like, making people actually make choices with it, but the game, that's that's all on good DMs. The game doesn't give you that. Oh. The game goes, give them a stupid amount of money. The you end. know, here's, like, <laughs> give them a thousand gold. By the way, the price of a room is, like, three silver, and <laughs> now they have a thousand gold. <laughs> Cool. The end. Can I get the one with the jacuzzi in it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's four silver. There you go. So, like, you basically don't have any sort of reason to spend money. That's interesting that it doesn't work like... You feel like it should work like the Oregon Trail where you have to bring a certain amount of food with you or something and buy your supplies or whatever. So, there... A couple of things on that. There is rules for that in most of the games. Oh. And some versions are more focused on it than others. The problem with it is twofold. One, in the beginning, that kind of makes sense. But as you get super rich, it's like you get a thousand gold and three weeks worth of rations are a gold. Right. right? I mean, okay. I don't know if that's the yeah. exact ratio, but it's just like so non-important. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, as you might imagine, as more and more people started playing this game, inventory management is not the most exciting part of the game. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> People don't want to organize clauses in video games. I know. In, board, in uh, tabletop games. So like, I know actually DMs who will actually be like, okay, you know, you're heading out into a desert and if their people don't buy enough food, they start like starving them and making them roll things. But a lot of people are just like, I don't want to have to keep track as a DM or you as a character. Like, well, you had 18 days of rations and you were out five days and then you know like it's right. just like it's why that's not exactly the fun part of it like an evil wizard lurks around the corner 
and you go to get a snack before you fight him and realize you're out of jerky. Oh, no! What are you going to do? You're on more <laughs> chewy bars. <laughs> Um, so you kind of get the idea, right? Yeah. Um, so that tends to go by the wayside, especially because it tends to be such a non-issue as you get higher levels and you're like, here's 10,000 gold and you could buy this town if you wanted. So the way this game kind of gets around it is you have a lot of gold, but there's nothing to buy. Huh. So we just kind of ignore gold and you have to hope that your characters are bought in. And if you're a good DM, you give them reason to be bought in for other reasons. Sure. I want to be a bad guy. I want to be a good guy. I want to protect the princess. I want to rob carriages. I want to do whatever. But it's not about the gold. Like, if they're truly driven by gold, I guess you can keep giving it to them. But at some point, they're going to ask the same question, which is, why? The game's made up. The gold don't matter. Right. However, in theory, you now have characters entering towns with almost an unlimited amount of money. <laughs> they could pull a Prince Ali and just throw it to the people. And that's exactly the issue. <laughs> that increases the money supply. Exponentially. But does nothing to increase the production of that town. <sighs> Therefore, what happens? Oh, they just have hyperinflation and the, all the businesses go out of business and all the people starve. Didn't this actually happen in history once? We just talked yes. about it. We literally just talked about... No. <laughs> there like this, oh, like the, someone charitably gave to a country? Well, not just like charitably, but like it was this like ancient African king whose yes. name escapes me right Hold now. On, but I'm he like pull it up because I read about him in my research. He went on... Uh, while Dan's, I'll try and fumble through it while Dan's looking for yeah, give me the citations. Basis. But like, pretty much, like he went on this pilgrimage to some, to like different, just to, to like see the world, basically. Sure. Um, across like northern Africa and like into the Middle East and Europe and whatnot, and he kind of like left this like generations long. He was so wealthy and spent so much money in the places that he went to that he left like generations long. Uh, struggles with hyperinflation in the places that he had visited. Whoa! And like it took them just because he just spent money. That he just he spent money with that, him. Yeah, that he was just like I have. He, he, I think he's sometimes called like the richest man to ever live. Oh, I it's know like, what you're talking about. Um, because he was just like I have no use for money. I just need goods to keep me going on this, on this massive voyage that I'm on. This name's not Cretius, is it? No, someone to else. Find it. I know I read it, so we may just have to pause the recording until I can find it because it's worth talking about. Yeah. Mansa Musa. Yes. We found it. Yes. His name was uh, on his Wikipedia. It's Musa One of Mali. If you want to look it up, basically. Yeah. He owned a ton of gold mines and had, a, it, it actually says in the Wikipedia, like, uncalculable wealth. Wow. And so he did, like, a pilgrimage, basically, around, like, Egypt and the Middle East. His, I'll put it this way, his procession reportedly included 60,000 men, including 12,000 slaves, who each carried four pounds of gold bars. Whoa! Whoa! Um, Whoa. included 80 camels carrying from 500 to 300 pounds of gold. Jesus Christ. So he basically just, he he built a mosque, a mosque, it says here, every Friday. So he, like, made this pilgrimage <laughs> and just gifted of these cities and temples huge amounts of money, threw money out to the crowd, Prince Ali style, 
and it caused exactly what we're talking about, which these D&D characters could cause if they wanted, you have nothing else to spend your money on, so you just give all your money to the poor and the needy and the people, and you build a building, and that's all wonderful, in theory, and then you leave this town wrecked with terrible hyperinflation. Oh my gosh, that's so... I. You always think about, like, uh, when people are in trouble or they're not doing so well, the best thing for it would be to, like, throw money at the problem because, like, clearly they just need more money. But, like, uh, in balance, I suppose, with, like, helping them to increase their own productivity and not just giving them money when they're already doing fine. Like, oh, my God, this man ruined the world. Yeah, and, like, individuals it can work with. And, again, to your point, you're better off, though, investing in a way that, like, increases production and jobs and things like that because then there's higher demand, right? So if you have people with more money because they have a job, they need things, then there's more industries that pop up to meet those demands. And that's how the normal system works. Yeah. We produce more, more money comes in, everybody's happy. When there's just money out of nowhere... It's not good. Just money for nothing, making mosques for free. and leave. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> just leaving, just leaving money behind you as you walk along, like it's just falling out your pockets. No big. I think it was literally falling out of his pockets. Yeah. Seems like it was falling like, off of his slaves. Yeah, also true. But <laughs> also, how dare he have slaves? You have enough gold to pay for a workforce. Well, the rich don't get rich by spending money. But <laughs> <laughs> also, to be clear. Oh, man. Oh, he reigned. Okay, never mind. He was born in 1280. Whoa. I mean, Wait, we weren't the most 12 civilized people. AD or 1280? 1280. 1280. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that is not as far uh, in the past as I thought it was, actually. I thought this was BC that we were talking. No. But this is intensely closer than that. Yeah. That's nuts. So anyway, if you're having a and d campaign and you're like supposed to overthrow the evil government, if that's like the premise, don't <laughs> bother good like way to storming start. the castle. Just start throwing all your gold out to the peasants. Give until, all the goblins a bunch of money. Yeah, eventually the economy will be wrecked and they will storm the castle, kill the evil bad guys for you. You walk in and clean up. You just gotta wait for them to throw a French Revolution and you're good. Yeah. But it's a long game, so yeah. <laughs> get ready to settle in for a couple months campaign. And just kind of prep maybe your DM, because you know, I like it when people take it ways they don't expect and you kind of get to think about it on the fly, but if somebody was like, I think our plan is to sabotage the economy of this region, <laughs> I would have needed a little bit of prep time. <laughs> I'm not sure that's in the spirit of the game, but okay, I'm game. Because like, I'll make a town and they'll have stores and I'll have it in my head, but like, so who's the regional distributor of this product? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Joe over here. Fantasy Joe. <laughs> and his very real company, Fantasy <laughs> Inc. <laughs> Where he provides your fantasy goods. Joe is his last name. <laughs> um, in The Adventure Zone, which is a D&D podcast by the McElroy Brothers, that is actually some of the best storytelling I think I've ever heard. It's really good. You should listen to it. Even if you're not a D&D person, so like it's the, not about rules. You are the second... Or third person who's like strenuously like uh, encouraged me to listen to it, so I feel like I have to now. It is unbelievable, but you're only like three people away from uh, not listening to it out of spite. Yes. So, so if Ooh. three more people so start tell me, soon. I should listen to it. <laughs> yeah, start like, soon. How dare you fuck this? <laughs> but he puts in his campaign what he calls the fantasy Costco. It's very <laughs> funny. <laughs> and Costco. He has a theme song for it. Does he? Yeah. I was just you should go like, clip it and put it in here. Light, I will probably. Well, Fantasy Costco, where all your dreams come true. Got a deal for you. <laughs> we don't need to put there it in. It is. Yeah, we have to pay royalties for that. 
It's fair <laughs> yeah. use. You all right. Make Griffin McElroy? Yeah, Griffin, Who's... I'll get on your sound camp and send you some dollars. Is he their DM? Yep. Griffin is? And he's phenomenal. That's fun. And they play with their dad, right? Yeah. That's it's real cute. I can't imagine playing D&D with my dad, mostly because I think that he'd get bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I had. Just basically, I wanted to drink mead and talk about how <laughs> the economics of role-playing games, as you might imagine, aren't super strong. Uh, that's but nuts. I, I, I remember reading about that guy and like how incredibly wealthy he was, and I guess like... Privilege has its costs, my friends, but maybe not for you. I mean, he not continued to do not fine. Not for him at all. Yeah. 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 And it was just the Actually, rest of North Africa that he, like, wrecked. Bankrupted. Yeah. yeah. And he did it on a pilgrimage, so he basically destroyed the town and left. Yeah, yeah he it was just on, a vacation. He went on Rumspringa and, like... <laughs> he went on royalty Rumspringa. <laughs> you actually have to wonder if he did it on purpose. I mean, because I oh. think he was from, oh, like, I think he was a Middle Eastern king, so I wonder mm, if those were his, like, neighbors. from the Atlantic coast. Okay, I think. But either way, like he went into that region, destabilized it, and was like, "Bye, Bye. see you next year." Attack us anytime. (laughs) Have fun storming the castle. (laughs) (laughs) But I haven't been good about tying things back to real finance, so just very high level, couple of real tie-ins here. I feel like okay. I was gonna say I feel like that ties. We spent like five minutes talking about Mansa Musa. Well, I mean they're real things, but I meant like personal finance for you. Oh, for and to enact in a person's daily life. Right. I have some advice. If you have a large amount of gold, don't just give it to anybody. Give it to me. (laughs) Correct. That's my advice. (laughs) Um. Hyperinflate so, my own personal account. Yeah, exactly. If you could hyperinflate my bank account right now, I'd be very pleased. <laughs> um, but one, this is why you invest your money for long term, right? Not hyperinflation, but inflation's a thing. If you leave your money in your bank account for retirement, it's going to be worth less on a spending basis when you get to retirement, right? If you put a dollar away and in over 40 years it grows to $3, but everything on the dollar menu is now $5, you have less spending power. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to be investing any money that you're thinking about for five plus ish years. That's one. Two, I think we've talked very briefly. If not, we'll talk in some episode about like stocks and bonds and what those are and basics. But this is a reason to occasionally have things like real estate or gold in your investment portfolio. I don't advocate it being a large portion of it, um, but these are what's called alternative assets and they can be nice to have. Because these are things that go up in value generally when inflation goes up, because they're physical goods. So it's kind of a way to hedge against some of those things. Okay. So good to have a little bit of diversity in your, like, investment portfolio. Yeah. I mean, you want diversity no matter what. Good to have sometimes those harder commodities occasionally. Again, and in small, small doses. I'm not saying go have... 20% 20% of your portfolio yeah. will be alternatives or anything. but Don't take all of your extra money and buy gold and bury it in the park. <laughs> Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you explicitly not to do that because fake advice. Fake advice. But it's not the best strategy I've ever heard of. <laughs> oh, man. Now I want to go read like everything I can about Matsumusa. Musa. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. Wow. I wonder if he did do it on purpose. Also... I'm not going to do it because this is a much better source than we are, but in this Wikipedia, there's a direct challenge to our podcast. Whoa. This is real life, so it's not fantasy, so we don't have to cover it, but Time Magazine reported, there's no way to put an accurate number on his wealth. Now I want to try. No, I was going to well, say, I know we can't. We'll do it. <laughs> no, that is, n- I am not doing 800 years of inflation data. That seems like a lot. I did 30 years of, or uh, 70 years of inflation data, and it was very hard to find. No, you I did, did 300 years. Yeah, yeah never mind. Yeah. I sell myself data. short. <laughs> but I'm not getting another 800. Mm-mm. Dang. 
I'm just wondering, like, it technically would be incalculable because, like, he would have so much, like, if you have so much of the good that everyone else wants, like... Whose scale are you measuring how are it from? You, yeah, like, how are you putting a value on that, ultimately? Like, we can value, like, what we would value that gold at today, you know? But like, I, Isaiah, he was just going around paying people with gold bricks, and whatever country he was in would value that differently. Mm-hmm. But again, if you have an unlimited quantity of something, this just makes me think of Thirty Rock. It's like, <laughs> do you say doll hairs? Because he says, <laughs> yeah, I, I want ten thousand doll hairs. Do you mean dollars, or do you say doll hairs? They're not worth nothing, <laughs> right? Like if you have an incalculable amount of something, even if it's not worth as much in somebody else's country as is yours. Eh? Give it a try. I mean, I, if somebody came up to me and was like, I'll pay you in peas, I'd be like, I don't want peas. If they go, I'll give you 50 million pounds of peas, I'll be like, I can sell it to somebody for something. Yeah. Like, just, that's, that's worth an amount of money. It's not $50 million, but it's something. Yeah, it's, it's worth, officially worth my effort. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth some amount of money. Oh, it might very well be $50 million, so I feel like I've bought a pound of peas for a dollar. I said a pea, but fair. Oh, 50, 50 million, million peas. That's but probably... honestly, the real problem with that is... <laughs> They'd spoil. I don't know how to unload fifty you million. You need a bees. distributor. Yeah, really very quickly, <laughs> very quickly. And I'm gonna keep returning to this until we actually cover it. But I think you do whatever they do at the end of Trading Places. I'm not 100 percent sure. Eventually, places. we're gonna do Trading Places. I feel places. like that might be our next year Christmas episode. Maybe yeah. we'll go watch it right now so we can stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for listening to Make Believe Money. I've been Liz. I've been Damon. I've been Dan. Uh, as always, thanks to our music master Charlie Miller for her lovely music. Check her out on her Yieldy website. Uh, com. Rate us and review us on Yieldy Apple Podcasts. Oh, Ooh, I have the you, review, you but I don't have review? it pulled up. So we'll do it next episode. Okay. I have it here. Well, one wait. more week. One more week. One more week. One more week. Everybody's gone crazy getting ready for that money. Um, uh, you know, keep rating us and reviewing us, even though your uh, Dan's hard-earned money won't be going to a charity. You can donate to a charity. In fact... Maybe, but if you do too much, <laughs> you'll cause hyperinflation. I have a feeling that you probably can't do too much at this point, <laughs> unless you are Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. In which case, if you're Jeff Bezos, donate all of your money and go off to space and never come back. Um, uh, email us if you've got feelings, or if you're Jeff Bezos and you want to have words with me at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com, and we will catch you next time. Oh, check out our Instagram, Make Believe MBM Podcast. What is Instagram it? is MBM Podcast. MBM Podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye! This episode was a critical hit.